0: Hi there. Welcome to The Optional Facts. My name is Dave Tomlinson and The Optional Facts is a show that is exploring how black culture has changed and is continuing to change the world. Sometimes I try and tell a story at the beginning of the show, something that relates to the topic for the week. This week, I don't have anything. I mean, I've had hardships in my life. I've certainly been through some stuff, but... I'm not putting myself on the line week in and week out for a cause the way this week's guest is. This week, we're airing an interview I did with Chris Brown, who also goes by Thought Poet. Chris is an artist who works with photography, and his work shows a deep love for the black and brown people of Chicago. Chris is the communications chair for the Black Youth Project 100, a group that was featured on the show a couple of months ago. He's also an organizer for protests in support of black voices, black lives, and LGBTQ voices. As you'll hear in the interview, he is aware every time he goes out that he might get beaten by the police or worse. We talked about his art, his organizing, and that as a community, they just can't stop going out and making their voices heard.
1: What came first? Photography? Poetry? What starts with you? That's a good question. Um,
2: So I was raised by my grandparents. Um, So, I mean, I guess all my life kind of connects to everything that's going on. Um, I'm kind of a product of a lot of things in the city. Uh, So I'm a product of, you know, CPS. I'm also a product of, you know, DCFS. And so, um, yeah, my grandmother um, and my grandparents, they are both extremely artsy uh, when I was coming up. And so um, that was like a huge i would say dictation and where i was going with whatever i was going to do um yeah i think to some degree i kind of didn't have a choice because like i said my grandmother always had me around art stuff um i would say as far as when i started taking my photography seriously uh, i was a music journalist um i guess i kind of still am when i want to be but
1: um uh, i was
2: doing it very like strongly for like uh maybe maybe like two years um, and so the website unfortunately got stolen, like the idea I got stolen by, uh, some white kid and he like actually got really famous off of it, um, because my boss decided to put the website on hiatus. And so, um, yeah, from there I kind of just, you know, got always been shooting photography because I grew up with it. Uh, I was always around Gordon Parks' work and stuff because of my grandmother and it kind of just went from there, if anything.
1: Okay. So your stuff got stolen?
2: Yeah. So uh basically um giving you more or more backstory on me, like I've been like involved with the Chicago music scene for a while now. So like kind of like the beginning of uh Chief Keefe, um when he was like, you know, on his way up to whatever, uh again I was a music journalist throughout that time. And so this is only because Again, um, certain situations, you know, working with young Chicago authors, which is, like, a very creative platform for young adults to, like, you know, channel their creativity while being in Chicago's very segregated systems. Um, Yeah, and so, uh, you know, I had a website, and so the website was really just me, you know, loving kind of, like, the moment that Chicago was in. Um, musically and creatively, and so, uh, yeah, so, you know, Chance the Rapper, um, a lot of the known artists that, you know, have, you know, become who they are uh, within the last four to five years, like, you know, I've built relationships with them. Um, Not something where I could be like, you know, they can give me money or nothing, but, (laughs) you know, they know of me and I know of them because we all were kind of around the same mentor, Brother Mike. Uh, when, I, when we were growing up, uh, you know, going to open mics and stuff uh, at Media and Young Chicago Authors. Um, and so, yeah, uh, with the website, um, you know, uh, it was really a, a, a case of folks just not believing in what was going on because there wasn't enough money to go around. Um, but literally all of the artists that are on from Chicago right now, majority of them were – on the website and like, you know, stuff like that. And so, yeah, once the guy stole the website, um, and you know, stole a lot of the ideas that we had, uh, I kind of just, I guess, I guess you could say I kind of just sat there, um, just because I guess creatively I wasn't really sure what I was doing and I was also homeless. Um, so for me, stability was kind of my biggest thing, um, at the time, uh, Yeah. And I think I just, after a while, I just said, she's my French, but fuck it, you know, let me just start shooting. And, you know, I kind of just started going from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the way Chicago is set up, it's like being in the creative arts, um, you're probably destined to, you know, advocate for folks that, you know, have more, have less or whatever the case may be. Um, and I think that's just something that majority of folks I know that are organizers from Chicago have always done. Um, so it's like my story is unique in some in a lot of ways, but it's also kind of like what you would expect from, you know, actual organizers and just like, I guess, creatives from Chicago in general. So
1: right. yeah, I hope right. that your question a little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. 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 Um, was there no comeback on the the kid who did that? Like it was there no way they to, to get anything back?
2: Um well, to be honest, it's kind of like um it's kind of like um elephant in the room when it comes to um Chicago culture and whatever. Uh I actually saw him not so long ago after I got beaten and arrested. Um and, you know, we just nodded at each other. Um I think, you know, it it's at the point where it's like, you know, this is something that happens to black and brown communities a lot. Um and it's like I this I think for me mentally, especially where I'm at now, it's like, you know, I just it's like I wanna confront it, but it's like I'll get around to it. Um but yeah, that's why I, yeah, that's what I say. Like it's a lot connected to, you know, me or whatever. So it's like <laughs> whatever you wanna know, just yeah.
1: Right. So I guess you know going back you you you've mentioned a few things that I'd be interested to to talk more about one what's it like in the, not necessarily today but in the in the, the time of you growing up growing up in a city that is segregated you know what's that experience like
2: um so for me it was weird because like you know every situation that i kind of had would basically put me in, like, a typical situation of a person that's black, cis-identified, and heterosexual in Chicago, which is there are many opportunities. Uh, Nine times out of ten, you aren't, you know, uh, particularly trained or or taught to even, you know, apply for city college, let alone college. And nine times out of ten, you know, you probably will end up in jail or dead. And unfortunately, that is a lot of the faith that I know of people that I live with on my block and, you know, just people that uh, I went to high school with. Um, mm-hmm. But I think for me, because my grandmother was so culturally aware growing up, uh, we were very sheltered when I was growing up. Um, so, like, homies that I would, you know, kind of see on the block every now and then, they would, like, tell me, like, yeah, you know, that's the woo woo. But, you know, it was mostly just me being in the house. Um, Even to this day, me and my partner, we talk about kind of what it was growing up. Even though we were so like culturally embraced by things, we still grew up in a very, you know, I guess you could say urban area. So it's like, you know, we're learning about Gordon Parks and we're learning about the Willie Lynch letter and stuff of that nature. But we're also being very aware that, you know, a liquor store and a church are also built on the same block. So, you know, that also is a thing. Um, but I think living and growing up in Chicago with how segregated it is, it depends on the level of privilege your family is pretty much given, to be honest with you, because even learning about black history is a privilege. So it's like, you know, learning how to, you know, culturally be aware or even, you know, get a job or fill out a job application correctly and not, you know, have to do a trade program is very difficult and very uncommon for folks that live in the city, uh, depending on where you live. So um, I live in the Chatham area, um, which is close to Cooley Park, which is on 91st and Liny. Um, The people in that area, we weren't that bad but we were bad enough where we probably wouldn't be given, like, advice or we wouldn't have, like, you know, a lot of resources at, like, our park district or, you know, our fellow church or something like that um, versus, you know, living out, like like I said, like, that versus living up north or, you know, in, like, a Hyatt Park or a Bronzeville or a Logan Square area where, you know, the community itself, like, the neighborhood itself is literally like, you know, circulating money and resources through the actual community. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, at five years old, you know, going into kindergarten, you know, your child is being looked after by, you know, the community because that's something that just happens. And that's the reality for most folks, you know, probably in the burbs or, you know, they have a little money in their family's name. But, you know, lower class, poverty level, and in Chicago as well, you know, you kind of have to fend for yourself. And I mean, that's kind of just the reality of it. Um, and I mean, like I said, like, you know, there, I know other people like myself that are, you know, I guess kind of like uh, familiar with different things, but they're still struggling. You know what I'm saying? Especially after quarantine. So, I mean, it helps it, me
1: yeah, no, that, that brings up an interesting point of, you know, that you hear it so much about how quarantine is affecting you know, the black-brown community so much more. And when you're talking like with what you're saying about communities that really don't have the resources, that's got to be a whole different set of struggle and strain put on people and the community when you're being told you're shutting down and there's even less money going around now. Yeah, you know? I mean,
2: I think the most interesting thing is that people um, people really believe that what's happening is not happening still. Like, people really don't believe that, you know, Trump could win a second term and that, you know, people really think that, you know, things won't change forever after next week. You know what I mean? And it's like, the thing is, when you live in the community that I live in, you're reminded of the change immediately. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, you know, we're 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 talking about, you know, 45 taking away, you know, equal rights and, and, and even the, the ability for folks that are LGBTQ to marry and, you know, have rights like that, right? thing is, LGBTQ community is, is mostly in the lower poverty level of Chicago. You see what I'm saying? So it's like we're going to get affected first. Like when quarantine hits for Chicago, we were hit first, you know what I mean? So, like, 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 jobs were immediately shut off because majority of the time, you know, um, if you're a millennial and you potentially didn't go through college um, or even get your degree, like, you may have got, like, a GED potentially, you know, you you already have slim, like, like options for jobs already. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and with Chicago, you know, getting a job that is, like, a, you know, $15, $14 an hour thing is very common. And, you know, it's just like the struggle is still very much so real. So, you know, putting all that into quarantine, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was, it's like when people kept saying we don't understand why people are alluding. It's like you took away major resources for three to four months. And then all of a sudden you you get a call about, you know, some stores been broken into, Uh, come get you a TV or whatever, to sell, to make money, to feed your family. Not even for you to keep, but for you to sell so you can actually put food on the table. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't don't think people, white people, really understand kind of, like, that reality. So it's like, you know, like, if people see protesting and people see, like, you know, actions and stuff like that, but they don't realize that these same organizers, majority of these organizers, Especially from Chicago, like this is their reality when they go home. So, hoping, right? Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I think I think you're entirely right. I think, you know, in the in the conversations I have witnessed online, there's you see all the people of like, well, I just can't believe they're, you know, destroying their own community. They're rooting. They're looting and they're burning, and it's like. Like you say, it's like, well, yeah, they might be taking a TV, but there's, there's a reason they're doing – like, I'm sure some of it are taking – some people are taking it because, hey, I would like to have a TV. But I think there's also a large percentage, like you're saying, that's like, you know what? I need the money, and here's a way I can get the money to help my family.
2: I mean, yeah, but it's also like you – know, like, the stimulus check that came out, uh, which to my knowledge came out, I think, maybe like March, April-ish, maybe – um, I know people right now that are just now getting their stimulus checks. You wow. know what I'm mean? saying? So it's like you know, it's like yeah, it's like if you even just think about that, you know what I mean? And it's like you think about you know uh, white people and 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 you know people that are up class, you know, who were able to sustain the entire time through quarantine that was not a lot of the realities for black and brown communities. You know what I mean? So it's like when people say, oh, some people did this, we were like, no, all of them were on the same page, which was we need to steal some shit so we can make money so we can actually live. You
0: know what mm-hmm. I
2: mean? So it's like when people were talking about, you know, downtown Chicago, uh, uh, it's a specific area that's like kind of, I guess you could say, it's, it's, it's reserved for like upper class folks that make a lot of money. Um, when you can like go on the on the local news and see like that entire community saying that they are, uh, they like they're calling organizers that are children that are younger than myself actually, they're calling them actually hoodlums on TV, like that's that like it's I mean it's it's like what else do you need you know what I'm saying like it's blatant just right there, so.
1: right right. So when it comes to you how long has it been that you have been you know active in well active in activism and being an organizer
2: I think actively uh, probably about 4 to 5 years um because I started I guess officially with an organization um maybe about 4 to 5 years ago so this was shortly after uh the the, the footage um from the Laquan McDonald case was uh, released and um I was actually marching with groups of folks and organizers then. Uh, I wasn't with an organization at, per se at the time. Uh, a lot of the folks that I knew, you know, artistically were, you know, part of these different groups. And, you know, we were actually ending that march that night um, on Michigan Avenue when the police, you know, basically went to war with us. So with bikes and uh, cars and, It's a lot of stuff, but we got the shit beat out of us. And, you know, a lot of our folks were arrested. And, you know, it was just a lot of, like, chaos. And I think, you know, even if I did not understand what defunding the police meant or, you know, uh, LGBTQ rights at that moment, I knew that police beating the shit out of somebody just because they are, like, you know, expressing their opinion. Like, they're literally just talking. Yes, they may be talking loud. Yeah, they may be, you know, uh, cursing. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're, they're literally just, like, like talking and saying shit. You know what I'm saying? For a police officer to still feel that they are in their right to harm a person just for doing that, that was, like, enough for me to be like, I don't want to experience that again. You know what I'm saying? or Or I don't want to experience seeing that again. Um, but I mean, the fucked up part is that was five years ago, <laughs> so you know that doesn't even conclude you know what happened to myself this past summer and just other organizers in general
1: so right, right, so going back to that moment when you're starting it, so you know you're you're talking about the shooting, it was back in what two thousand and fourteen and and he was shot by a shot by a cop and who ended up only he didn't really even spend much time in jail for that Um, but this is this is a i don't know a naive question but it is a i guess an honest question from a lot of people what's it like to be going out protesting and like trying to stand up for the rights of it and then all of having all of a sudden having cops beat the crap out of you like what what is that moment like
2: no, that's not a naive question. That's a very realistic question.
1: Um I mean, I guess
2: the best example I can give you is um
1: the uh, the day before
2: yesterday. So we had a recent uh protest where we were basically just um occupying space for what took place in Philadelphia. And the entire time for me, uh, knowing that the police like, like seeing the video, but also knowing what the Chicago police are capable of. I definitely had, you know, a lot of high anxiety. Um, I think if it wasn't for my partner, you know what I'm saying, uh, you know, constantly, like, and not, and not even, like, we had thorough conversations, but just more so, like, just conversating with me. Um, but I think to answer that, it's, it's like an anxiety that you can't really think about or well, you can't relate unless maybe you've almost been in a plane crash um, or you've, like, seen or you've ever had a gun in your face. But um, well, I think the part that's traumatizing is that, you know, our entire lives we've been told that the police are supposed to, uh, if not serve and protect at least you know what I'm saying, trying to keep the peace, you know what I'm saying, in your area. So, you know, you can live wherever, but, you know, when you call these people, this is supposed to happen, right? And so the traumatizing part is you didn't get jumped or you didn't get your ass beat by, like, 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 like hood, you know what I'm saying? And, I mean, I'm just being very frank with you. Like, most Chicago people that have lived in the area that I've lived in, you know, we're not unfamiliar with getting our ass beat or getting jumped or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, we kind of do that. I hate to say this like that, but you know we kind of grow up like experiencing that. So whether you get jumped or you know you exp- you see it, whatever. Like you you not lived in Chicago, especially on the South or West Side, and not seeing someone get jumped or like getting beat up. But, getting, like seeing it being done by police, is something that's like completely different because in those moments where you were getting jumped on. People can actually help you. You see what I'm saying? So, like, if you're getting jumped on right now, I can actually be watching and run towards you to help you not get jumped on anymore. But when the police are doing it, if I come to help you, I'm getting my ass beat as well. I mean, like, if anything, I'm probably making the situation worse for you by even coming to try to help you. You see what I'm saying? So, like, those are just some of the things that people or like majority black and brown organizers like, like fear when it comes to going through different organ like, like just like protests, you know what I'm saying? And then it's like, once you get, if, if, if you get arrested, you know what I mean? Like it's so many different scary like, like, like realities that you can end up in going to protests, especially in Chicago. Um, it's, I I really think it's, and I think most people's question, or next question would be like, okay, well, if you feel like that. If this is what you're thinking and feeling, why do you still go? I think, honestly, it's because the moment we don't go, that's when people stop talking about the shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, and I mean, I think you know better than anyone, like, you know, like, like social media, is an ever-evolving beast, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think the only – that's – I want to say the only thing that's ever-changing is death. But I want to say that and death are almost the same thing. They are never not present, you know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, just – like, everything that we've done this summer, just by – like, by itself, like, just this summer alone, Right. Like, the folks that have, like, lives have been taken, you know, even since George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, um, you know, the, the, the organizers that have gotten, you know, beat, bloody, you know, locked up. Like, they have cases, all that. Like, the moment we stop talking or stop, like, really when you think about it, all the protest is is kind of just, you know, disrupting whatever is really happening in normal life in that moment. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, you know, that could be labeled as soliciting or trespassing or whatever. So it's like when we protest, that's literally all we can do because we can't really do anything else for fear of being hurt, like, badly by the police. And the the scary part is never getting our justice because it's the police. Mm Mm-hmm. Like right now there's an individual named Mohawk, uh Mohawk Johnson who was uh beaten and arrested by police and they claim that he hit a police officer with a skateboard. Um and they have him down for seven counts of I think battery, uh, right now. And he's like on house he's like on super strict house arrest until like after Christmas. So like his next court date is like the 29th of December. You see what I'm saying? And he can't even leave his house until then, mind you. He like there's footage, like like when I tell you there's like like literally footage you can go online right now and look at of him not hitting a police officer, but like three or four or five officers beating the shit out of him. Like it's like I'm not bsing. You know what I'm saying? But right now he can't even go anywhere. You know what I'm saying? And it's like the P, the PTSD that come along with that. You know, is just got against them. So going back to your original question, yeah, it's like a I say it's infinite thing that goes on in black and brown organizers' minds when we go to different protests. Um, but I think, like I said, like as scared as I mean, I don't not I'm not, not going to kid you. Like I get scared every time I think about going to a protest. I get scared even thinking about what happened what could happen next week you know what i mean but it's like our voices have to be heard and we have i mean like the bottom line is a lot of us are gonna die advocating for this you know what i'm saying and i think that's the thing that as a protester especially being a black and brown person if you're an organizer I'm pretty sure ninety-five percent of the time they've like come to, to to some type of piece of this.
1: So yeah, have you?
2: Um yeah, actually. Um, like I said, my uh, my uh, my my grandmother was an artist. Um, you know, my uh, like I it's just in my it. I I don't think coming from where I come from, you could just sit idly by and not try to do something.
1: Right. So, okay, so you said that the typical second question is if it's like that, why do you do it? The, the, the question that was going through my head is is the same thing happened to the white protesters that show up with you?
2: I mean, like, are, you know, are
1: they being beaten up? I
2: mean, yeah, they're getting the be out of them, but The difference with white protesters and black and brown protesters is, one, there's way more of them than it is of us at any protest, like, ever. Like, I think the only other time I've ever seen more black people at protests is probably from photos, like, when I was growing up and looked at, like, black history, whatever type of things. Any protest I've ever been through has always been more white people. Now, yes, while they are, you know, like, yes, they, they their, their lives should be, you know, uh, respected and revered as well. The difference between us and them, as far as the organizers, is when they get locked up, they'll probably get out within 24 hours, probably less time. Um, and they probably would have actually hit a police officer. Like, they actually right. would have, like, thrown hands or, like, actually, like, you know, made them bleed or whatever. But because they're white, they'll still get out. Versus right. a black and brown organizer, ninety nine percent of the time, that black or brown organizer is probably facilitating and creating the actual protest, and they are already targeted because they have been they have been specified as one of the people that facilitated the, the protest. So when they go to an actual protest, they could just be yelling, not even at a police officer, but they could just be yelling. And they can get tackled at any given moment and arrest. If you were to ask like, okay, why are you doing this? Like why are you like arresting this person, blah blah blah, the police won't answer you. So yeah, I mean I hate I yeah, I would I would hate to say, you know, and I mean maybe some people would disagree with me, but I again i I've I've been in the thick of it and it never fails.
1: Right. Right. So last time we talked, you mentioned, and I don't remember her name, but there was a girl who was, I believe you said just simply um, videoing or trying to ask why a friend of hers was being, you know, manhandled by the police and she ended up getting attacked. And I think you said a broken jaw or something like that. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. um, The police hit her in the mouth. What is the time not to cheat that?
1: And how is she doing now? She
2: actually was just at a protest with me yesterday, or the day before yesterday. Wow. See, that's my point. It's like, we can't rest, you know what I mean? Like, that's like the moment, and, and, and again, these are not like normal things that are happening to folks, you know what I mean? Like, like I mean, I, I think you felt that pause, you know what I'm saying? Like, the fact that she's still, and mind you, she's not even 19. She's 18 years old. She just got out of high school. Um, and he just started, I think, going to, to, to City College. You get what I'm saying? So, hmm. yeah.
1: Wow. Wow. What happens if if Trump pulls out a win? What's going to be the reaction if, if all of a sudden he wins?
2: To be honest with you, Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. But what I can tell you is that um, there are attack dogs ready, um, there are tanks ready, there are officers and soldiers even with automatic weapons ready for whatever's going to happen after this election decision comes to whatever head is going to come to. And the Mm -hmm. crazy part is that they're gearing up for potentially people like me and potentially – Gearing up for like racist white people, the proud boys or like whatever they, you know, wherever they was when they're not like, you know, taking up space, like they could be. They could be, and that's the scary part is like these type of individuals could be anywhere as dangerous as it can be in Chicago. You know, it's just as dangerous in 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 in
0: Philadelphia.
2: It's just as dangerous in Kenosha. It's just as dangerous in. Uh, any other space, you know what I mean? And it's like, there's so much beauty here. And I think, you know, I don't think no one's trying to be a hero. Um, I think at this point, we are just trying to truthfully not struggle anymore. Right. You know I mean, that's also the other, like, like, the thing is, if Trump wins anything, Again, the the, the hood or the urban community or the urban whatever, anything that deals with black and brown people or people that have been displaced that are not – any people that are not white, (laughs) those communities will be affected immediately if he gets this next term. You see what I'm saying? Now, the only thing with Biden and and Kamala is that, you know, whatever's going to happen with them, it may happen a little later. You know I'm saying? And we're not putting anything past him because Kamala's still a cop lover. right? You know and Biden is not to be trusted at all.
1: Right, but you, you know, you also brought up a really good point of it's one thing if Trump wins, but the thing is if he loses, there could be equal violence or more because then all of a sudden you've got the Proud Boys, you've got everybody else who's just seeming like just gearing up and gunning to create some kind of civil unrest that it could be as bad or worse because you've got all the racist white people out there who are now how dare you not vote for Trump. I
2: think I think the interesting part um is like and maybe I don't and and, and, and maybe um I'm the only one that remembers this. Uh but I feel like I'm not. Like do you remember when Obama was um like on the way to becoming president? But so, like mm-hmm. you know he was still like you know going against I think McCain and all this other stuff, and you remember how every single thing he did was like under the most intense magnifying glass, so like his cre- his 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 pastor, who isn't even his is like kin to him, but because his pastor had an abolitionist like 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 way of thinking like. People still somehow made that, like, bad for Obama because he goes to this person's church, which means somehow that reflects him, right?
1: hmm
2: So, matter of fact, I think they related Obama and his wife to being gangbangers because they did a fist bump before he did a speech one, right? <laughs> so, now, take that. Now, take all of that, right? And compare that to even a fraction of what any fuck shit Donald Trump has done since he's become president. Because before it was it was shitty before, but this is like, like compare any of that to what he's done since he's become president. Right? It's like, when you think about that, that alone should make you go crazy. When you really think about how really racist and how bluntly racist this entire I hate to say it, country is, but it's also like with black people, especially organizers, it's like you got to really try hard to surprise me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to be honest with you, When and I don't know how well you follow hip-hop, but when 50 Cent and Lil Wayne endorsed Donald Trump, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, for me, that was a shocker. Actually, I forgot also ice cube, but you know what I mean like, like like and again, like these are things where you just see like this is no way in hell that a black man that is famously known for saying fuck the police is teaming up with probably the worst racist since Hitler and i and i and i'm I'm pretty sure people have compared Trump to Hitler, and I'm saying it too, like yeah, you know what I mean, so it's like. So what's it's it like
1: wild. for what's it like for you when you hear that endorsement from from fifty cent from high level hip hop?
2: I mean that's literally like um that's like like you find out some really just bad family secret and you've looked up to these people your entire life. You know what i mean? Like regardless of whether I think so or not, those individuals are icons to not just hip hop music but to black culture.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: like regardless of whether we want to say it or not 50 cent is related to 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 black culture same as little Wayne. you know what i'm saying so for them to be that ignorant of themselves and 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 make a decision like that because i mean it's just like bro like it's like what and it's like the thing is we are truly saying what if donald trump like and the funny thing is the reason why it's so crazy is because I feel like we're still mentally in the same headspace we were in four years ago when he uh, became president initially. I feel like every white person that liked black people were like, it's no way in hell he's going to be president. And when he became president, they were all like probably kicking themselves. Cause it was like, damn, I didn't do enough to make sure he did not become president. That's white allies. Cause mind you, black and brown community, we can do, we can say and, and 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 yell as much as we can, but unfortunately, these positions of power are ran by white people. You see what I'm saying? And it's like y'all let one of the most y'all, y'all let one of the most old fashioned pop into the most powerful seat in the country. And, the thing, and I think why people are so scared is because it can happen again, and we're going to find out in less than two to three more days. <laughs> right, exactly. You know what I mean? So it's like when you really think about all of that, and then you think about just how much black people – because at the end of the day, the people that will be immediately affected once again are black and brown communities. You know what I'm saying? So it's like the conversation even of defund the police or abolish the police, it's like, and it's like mentally – thinking about or even trying to think about it is enough to really make you lose like your mental health but it's like
1: what are you going to do right so it sounds like you don't have much love at all either for um Biden or Kamala
2: you know and this may sound really fucked up i hope Kanye wins
1: <laughs> really <laughs> okay at the end
2: of the day at the end of the day all three options suck
1: He's a whole like, lot of crazy, though.
2: <laughs> no, but, see, like, here's the thing. Trump, Biden, Kamala, and kind of, like, they're all a mess. You see what I'm saying? Like, there's no one truly – I mean, like, honestly, I would have been – and, I mean, you know, Bernie Sanders is Bernie Sanders. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, you know, I would have been very content with him. You know what I'm saying? But it's like the the the, the candidates that were talking about things that actually made real sense like creating like um like like a uh, what is it called? Um, I think it's called a uh like a uh, national allowance. So like you know every oh like,
1: like what him. like Andrew Wang was talking about yeah exactly. like the exactly yeah.
2: like 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 actual progressive moves that actually would turn the tides of a country in five years. You know what I'm mean? saying? Like something like that would actually make sense. No, we 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 can't get that. We have to get. Kanye, and Donald Trump. You see what I'm saying? It's like like, like when you think about that, it's like how much of a joke are we really in right now? Mm. And it's like when you think about, like, the position that black and brown people as organizers are in right now, is like the best thing we can do is continue to create and continue to lift our voices because if we don't, being quiet will kill us. Like, just even thinking about any of the shit I just said, like, any for any long length of time without saying anything, like, that's like why with most black and brown people, when you talk to them and they tell you they don't go to protest or they don't do any of that, like, they got bills to pay, it's like, respect them. Mm-hmm. Because this is not easy shit to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're literally trying to help change foundations where other people have said, why are you trying to do that? That makes no sense when it's never been changed. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I get it.
1: Right. Right. And and it, you know, following the the the, the t- timeline, I guess it's like quiet has been tried. You know, people got upset with Kaepernick when he literally just took a knee. and it's like you can't do it that way. And it's like everything has been tried from quiet to loud to to really getting in your face to violence, and something has to something something has to break. And I guess you you have to do what you have to do until it happens.
2: I think um, I think uh, the movie V For Vendetta* said it best. It's a quote: um, "The people should not be afraid of the government. The government should be afraid of the people."
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And the thing is, we could potentially be going into possibly the most violent chapter of our lives come next week because at the end of the day, the revolution people really don't want to see again, like the Rodney King riots and like when Dr. King was assassinated, that can truly become a reality like again because Quiet As It Kept, the looting that took place, that was really nothing compared to those events. You know what I mean? Like like, like we're literally like nowhere near that you know what i mean so it's like depending on the decisions that people are making right now in this very moment that's going to determine if we even make it to thanksgiving (laughs) let alone you know the next couple of months alive and like somewhat like able to provide for ourselves
1: right i remember very well the rodney king riots and those were that was that was a crazy time and it's, I was talking to someone just, I don't know, a couple months ago, and it's just like the question was, like, are we going to see that again? And it's I think it's very possible.
2: Yeah, and, I mean, the thing is, is, like, you know, all of this for, you know, an organizer, like, right in the moment right now, like, yes, we're creating or we're, you know, documenting, like, history, you know, probably qualified up to what happened in the 1960s but we're not thinking about that and i can probably assure you if you were to talk to any civil rights legend in question that was actually abused by police in those riots and, and just in those any situation they want to live and they want us to live in peace and not you know have to struggle for anything and i think bottom line it's like the fact that we cannot understand that as a collective of people is truly pathetic, because other countries are doing it, and it's like you don't even hear about them because they just they just literally off to the side chilling,
1: right.
2: like unbothered, like the most unbothered of unbothered. You know what I mean? And they're literally looking at us like, well, you know, power to you, but you know, we 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 gonna you know, stay our ground over here.
1: Right. And what you said is exactly it. It's like it just literally everybody just wants quality of life. Everybody wants to be able to provide for the family. Everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to have their health care taken care of. Everybody wants to get an education, you know, and it's the fact that we can't just look at you and say, I don't care who you are, black, brown, white, Chinese, like LGBTQ, anything. It's just like, you know what? You go live your life. Good for you. I can't, But that we're not there is crazy.
2: I mean, the fact is, is that, um, you know, depending on, like I said, next steps, because the thing is, you know, regardless of people like Biden or not, you know, Biden still has the old black people vote because of Obama, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, (laughs) unfortunately for black people, that's like a silver lining, kind of. Because it's like, okay, at least we won't be, you know, looking up and, like, you know, amendments or, like, changes that were created years ago to create actual, like, equal rights for folks are being taken away. You know what I mean? So, I mean, yeah, I, I, like I said, it's an interesting time. Um, but I think going back to uh, your original, or well, one of your original questions as far as, like, why we do this is because, yes. Yeah, I think I said it already, but, you know, um, the moment that we stop doing this is the moment that we don't longer exist.
1: Who is it within the activist organizer scene? I guess the question is, who is it that people are looking up to? Like, is there anybody who's rising up that you're looking at and going, okay, you're you're the one we need to be listening to?
2: Um... Okay, so I'm gonna try to answer that. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, so I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna just be sarcastic. Um, the person I'm looking up to right now, legit, is Dragon Ball Z and potentially the characters from Lovecraft. <laughs> and the reason why I worded like that is because that is what that is the reason why the Black Panthers no longer exist. That is the reason why. Majority of the following uh, or, 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 or the, the, the presence that Malcolm X or, or Dr. King's followers had back then, that's why they no longer exist, because we kept centering cis-hetero black men in these movements. You know what I mean? But one, the movement for equal rights, majority of the time, if not all the time, were created by queer women of color. You know what I mean? So, you know, from, like, and I mean, I could give you just so many different, like, like situations regarding how, because of centering one person, like, it, it led us to failure. I think what we need right now is collectively for folks to be on the same page. So, like, even even though you're talking to me because, you know, I, I supposedly have insight, if like... You're also talking to other individuals that, you know what I'm saying, are a part of Chicago, but they may not be heard of as much, you know what I mean? So, like, folks that are, like, you know, doing curriculum work that's centered around learning how to do holistic healing and healing for the community, you know what I mean? So, like, folks that are doing community work with housing and, you know, creating grants and creating, like, just after-school programs and just trade programs that actually show progress for the community, which in turn creates progress for a city and, you know, it goes bigger and bigger and so forth. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I think we have the answer. And I mean, I I know that may be a very open-ended answer, but it's like we truly don't need to look up to any one individual for some type of, like, insight. You know what I mean? Like, again, like 50 Cent and Lil Wayne just advocated for, for, for Donald Trump. And, again, outside of, you know, them being who they are, like, being, like, experts in their craft, they're looked up to highly. You know what I'm saying? So it's like like us looking up to supposedly people that are, like, idols or, like, celebrities or whatever, it's not helping us.
1: What are you seeing with women that's helping move the cause forward or more grounded?
2: Well, I mean, that's the – so, and, I mean, if you really think about this, You know, women are already, you know, uh, treated unfairly, you know, when it comes to men in the first place. Um, So if you take it down, or if you you take it to a bigger concept of how black and brown women are treated, it's really, like, unheard of. And it's like when the term niggas ain't shit is said, I don't disagree because, you know, we are very problematic and toxic masculinity. Um, But women again, they've been at the forefront of organizing and they've been at the forefront of creating organizing uh, and creating opportunities for folks since I can remember. You know what I mean? So when it comes to organizing, you know what I mean, it's like I know that black and brown women are creating just like different programs that deal with, you know, giving back to the community and giving back to the land, but also, more importantly, creating like, like visually and physically, what a world looks like without police in it. And I think that's as anything I can, I guess, like leave in this conversation is leave your faith in Black and Brown queer women. So I feel like once they are centered, that's when other lives are going to be finally like taken seriously, and people will like stop killing people
1: for no reason. How much of your art are you doing now, or getting a chance to? Whether that's poetry, whether that's photography, whether that's something else.
2: Um, to be honest with you, uh, because I take a lot of photography as the process. Um, that's also art.
1: You know what I mean? Um,
2: but I think on a more creative level, uh, like I know. Physically, I have not really slowed down, um, one, because I'm either trying to continue to keep stability for myself uh, by, like, running my GoFundMe page um, because, you know, I still have to pay bills, unfortunately, or I'm working on different projects with different people in the community where I'm, like, you know, kind of just celebrating what it is to be, you know, a black person, you know I And mean? So, like, enjoying trap music, you know what I'm saying, or enjoying Flame of hot Cheese, or enjoying a uh, Black Family Cookout, you know what I'm saying, and like, like, enjoying the fact that, you know, culturally, we are the genesis of why this world is the way it is. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah.
1: What's the music that's being listened to mostly now? I guess, you know, if you look historically at protests within quotes, there's There's a lot of protest music that has come out that has been a significant part of history. Is there anything now that people or artists that you're that people are looking to of going wow they're they're creating really important music right now?
2: Yes and no um, I think we're in a moment now where anything goes, and it's like the person that makes the person that is the boldest and has the most important things to say are the ones that take up the ground with, like, their voice. So I could sit here and tell you that Kendrick Lamar has been listened to throughout this whole summer, but I will be lying to you because majority of the time there was a meme of a woman saying, you about to lose your job because she was being arrested, and it got turned into a song. Right. (laughs) That was, like, the theme song for majority of the protests this summer. Or if you listen to M.I.A., um, like you know you had people on skateboards, you know uh you had like you had, i mean like the music, I think because like a lot of things are being advocated for, like um decriminalizing sex worker rights or uh decriminalizing sex work, um you know advocating for uh black women and black trans women and black queer women, um the voice and the music and the art. I think it's so different yet so similar. it just depends on how you use it. If you were to see my art, my art is advocating for more than just defunding the police. it's advocating for uplifting black and brown women and centering you know uh uh destroying toxic masculinity and letting black boys be black boys. You know what I'm saying like it's more to it, but yeah it's all connected. So, right. like, again, I can tell you, you know, Kendrick Lamar was listening to, but at the same time, I can also tell you that, you know, there was a, a kid named d from Chicago's West Side who did bop music, and we were playing his music at our protest, and people were bopping in the middle of the street. Right. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, it's almost like pick a protest or pick a topic and ask about what comes with that, like, like, that like, like, that culture. Because, again, and it's a good question that you ask that because, like I said, the culture that goes behind that or – the, or the culture that is behind organizing is, is, is just very powerful and very in-depth. And I feel like when I was introduced to the organizing community, that's what helped me learn how to really work on who I am – It really taught me how to work on who I am as a black man and also how to try not to take take up space so negatively, um, but contribute more uh, good than anything else.
0: Hope you enjoyed that interview. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening to it. Uh, You can find Chris online, thoughtpoetsopinion.com. The second time we've had Chris on the show, and he always brings a really great argument, great conversation, and um, it's always a lot of fun to talk to and hear, hear what he has to say. Our show comes to you every week. Make sure you subscribe wherever it is you get your podcasts. Uh, if you want to listen to the radio version, it is on wbkm.org every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On Facebook, on Instagram, we are The Optional Facts. Twitter, it's D.H. Tomlinson. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. And come visit us on our website, theoptionalfacts.com. New content is published fairly regularly. And uh, there's lots of stuff to share for education and things to help you educate others. Thanks very much, everybody. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Here on The Optional Facts.